Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Greetings, my fellow cosmic explorers. Welcome to another episode of Sex in Space, here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. Today we have a wild ride ahead of us. We're speaking to Jess and Lawrence, the fearless pioneers of our secret spot, a boundary-pushing swingers club in Sydney, Australia. Get ready to have your mind expanded. We've been up to all sorts here at Sex and Space, so before we blast off, I've got some mind-bending news to share with you. We have written a book. It's called The Organ Education Forgot, and it's a little book about the clitoris. Let me tell you, it's a game-changer. Whether you have a clitoris yourself, or your partner or partners have them, if you're a parent of teenagers and think they could benefit from learning about this amazing organ, if you're just curious about what all the fuss is about, or want to expand your consciousness, this book is for you. Unfortunately, a recent study out of the UK showed us that most of us are in the dark about our own bodies, particularly the female body. Only 9% of study participants could label the vulva and its component and surrounding parts. Half couldn't find the urethra, and 37% had mislabeled the clitoris. But don't worry, my friends, there is no shame in ignorance. So few of us were taught. There was a massive education gap. The important thing is that we all start learning together right now. So grab your copy of The Organ Education Forgot from sexandspace.com forward slash book and let's embark on a cosmic journey of self-discovery and clitoral enlightenment. And now, without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Lawrence and Jess, the dynamic duo behind our secret spot, a premier swings club in Sydney, Australia. These two are on the cutting edge of sexual exploration and pleasure, and we're thrilled to have them on the show. Our secret spot is more than just a nightclub. It's a portal into a world of fantasy, seduction and satisfaction. It's a place where your wildest dreams can come to life and where you can explore your deepest desires in a safe, fun environment. Lawrence and Jess have created a space that is both exciting and welcoming, and their commitment to providing a sexy, fun and safe environment is what sets our secret spot apart from the rest. So buckle up and get ready to hear all about their journey, their vision and what makes our secret spot the go-to destination for swingers in Sydney. So I guess where I'd like to start is um, with a bit of history because, um, you know, coming in and saying who you are and what you're doing, but it's where you come from. And I think what formed your attitudes to life, the universe and swinging in terms of your personal history. So either of you can jump in and go first. But but the question is, I guess, where do you think, what do you think framed um, your openness and your attitudes and created that open mind and willingness to engage in the first place. 
You want to go first? There you go. Um, I think for me, so a lot of my experiences, um, especially my first experiences, all came through Lawrence um, because he was the one that sort of, I guess, nurtured or helped me into this sort of lifestyle. And I think being able to have the venue um, and meeting all the people within the venue, that's sort of created the way that I see things now, I guess. Um, And I think it's just like it's a journey, like it's forever changing to what suits me and what suits my partner. Do you think in your upbringing that there were things that predisposed you to be open to what Lawrence was suggesting? Like were there? I'm not sure. I've thought about it before just just to think like if I would not met Lawrence, would I still be in this sort of lifestyle? Um, I, I don't know. Like I'm a very adventurous type of person in my everyday life. So I, I'm sure I probably would have stumbled across something like this, maybe not in the way that I've done it now. Um, but I, I don't think anything in my early childhood or um, any of my family upbringings has swayed me this way, um, especially because I, I find my family are very vanilla in comparison to everything that I'm doing. Um, and I like, I don't know, even like talking to them now about it as well, they're still very vanilla about the concept. So I don't, I don't think my family or my childhood has had an impact essentially, but I definitely my friends group and the way that I see swinging in my life now has made an impact. But I think that's just me creating a different path. General adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never boring. Yeah. What about you, El? Um, so there's a there's a few aspects to this question, I guess, sort of like basically the environment that we that I, you know, each of us would have had growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think growing up, I the family that I was raised in was very was was quite open-minded, not necessarily about uh, sex and sexuality. Actually, I, I don't recall a lot of conversations about sex growing up. But in terms of everything else, um, especially science-wise, like my, my father's a scientist, he's a, he's a doctor in um, uh, chemistry and, and really physics. Uh, so he's got that kind of mind. There was never any pressure for me from either of my parents to do to follow a particular path in terms of like what they saw as a what they what their boy was supposed to do with their life. Um, uh, so you know, I got to tread my own path a lot. Like I'd say, this is what I want to do, and they would say, "Well, okay, how are you going to do it?" Kind of that was kind of the the environment that I had growing up. So that that was kind of nice. Is just whatever I wanted to do, just as long as you know how you're going to do it or why you want to do it. I suppose uh, I do have memories growing up particularly once I hit uh, puberty and, you know, becoming uh, a sexual person, not feeling or not understanding the sentiment of like jealously guarding a girlfriend or something like that. It always seemed strange to me. So without any prompting from my, uh, from from memory that why would I be, be like this? It just always seemed a bit, I don't know why you have to be like, beating your chest and, you know, defending your, your woman from, I don't know what, what the threat is. And so obviously I still carry it to this day. Uh, and which, so once I started getting into romantic relationships, I, I think I carried that with me. I, I do remember one argument I had with one of my girlfriends when I was younger. It's just like, why don't you get jealous when other boys talk to me? I'm like, why? Why do I, why do I have to get jealous? And it's just like, it was always a question of 
I guess, sort of challenging uh, the narrative in my in my own way. Not mm-hmm. that I n- was consciously challenging; it was just something that I guess I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once sort of the the idea of uh, non monogamy as a part of the relationship, like as a consensual part of a relationship, um, was floated, which actually took a little bit of I guess courage on both ends, like both, between a, a former partner and myself. And that was it. We were off. Um, and then sort of haven't looked back since then. So I guess it was sort of like this culminating amount of factors that just led to a point and then, okay, right, this is the sort of trajectory I want to take on my life, at least uh, my sexual romantic life. Do you remember what the trigger was that allowed that space to open for that first conversation? If I'm being completely honest, I, I would say it was her. So she actually probably had a little bit more um, uh, willingness to to at least uh, table the conversation, saying, oh, wouldn't it have been nice to do if we, we kind of got naughty with those people? Uh, and we were quite young. I think we were probably like 18 or 19 on, a, on one of our first holidays after school, and we met a, a young couple just around our age, and then, yeah, she she – she brought this up and then it was a couple of years of this kind of fantasy talk about people like uh, that we'd actually meet. And so there was, there was the fantasy talk, but there was also the reality of an actual person. It wasn't like, oh, we're talking about like our, what is it? Um, your whole past kind of situation where it's just like, you've got, you know, someone who you're probably never going to meet. Like I'm never going to meet, I don't know, El McPherson or something like that. It's just, it's like, oh, if I could have sex with El McPherson, I would, but it's just like, it's probably not going to happen. So there was that definite moment there when she would bring that up. And then I was like, okay, this is probably something that we can actually go down. And then one day it was just, we took an active step into involving someone else in our relationship. Cool. And, and, for you, Jess, when it was raised, were you like had had that entered your sphere of consciousness before Lawrence raised it? Or um, I'm not sure to be honest. Um, because when Lawrence had sort of broached the subject with me, it was on our first date. Um, I was only 20, so I didn't. I think I was still sexually just exploring myself in general, like that. Even to this day, I'm still finding new things that I myself sexually enjoy. So I, I don't. I don't think. I was on a set path already. I think mm. I, I think it sort of, it was just cho- like not chosen, but it just sort of fell into it nicely. And it just, it worked out well because like Lawrence being such a great communicator, we were able to talk my way through things and then I could find and explore different things that I wanted to do. So I think it kind of just fell nicely in place. <laughs> yeah. Communication comes up as one of the key skill sets and benefits of the lifestyle. Mm. It's such a big thing, especially um, even when you're just beginning as well. It's something that we always, um, Lawrence and myself, when we do a newbie talk, we always um, explain the importance of just basic communication. Like even just going over little things can seem mundane, but to the other person, especially when you're already nervous and you're already um, worried about things that are happening, it can just reset and make that person feel a bit at ease. Um, but no, communication definitely is the best and the easiest way to make this lifestyle work. Yeah. Um, there's might be jumping jumping the gun a bit here, but there's there's certain um, sort of uh, frameworks, aren't there, around communication for different um, scenarios and stuff, aren't there? Within, I suppose, what you 
what you refer to as like the lifestyle. Yeah. So um, the you know what are, what are some of the steps for a for a newbie, um, or what do you go through when you're talking to a a newbie? Um, I always find so when I um, broach a subject with newbies about. Um, what to expect on a night, I generally get them to go through their um, rules or restrictions that they want to have for the night, um, just the basics and just go through that and then go through boundaries, What um, what's a, a red for them, what's a amber and what's like a green, so to see what stages they're comfortable with. Um, and I generally tell newbies that um, it's very okay to say no to a lot of things because at the end of the day, you're here to heighten your relationship not to change it um so i i guess there's like several stages um of i guess communication Mm. yeah Yeah, i think like but in terms of actual structure of a conversation i mean there's probably you know the beginning part is someone has to be like like i said earlier brave to say something Something has to be said for the conversation to even, and yeah, someone's got to go first. Um, then probably, I, I suppose if it was, if you're following a sort of a, a, a recipe of a conversation, it'd be like wants and desires might come first, mm. top of my head, because you, you, you might have fantasy ideas or something you'd like to explore either with, with your partner or with them present. Uh, and then go over, going over the, well, all right, okay, this is what we want. Um, or then how do we actually do that without, you know, damaging um, ourselves as a, in a relationship or, and obviously uh, other people as well? Mm. Um, it takes a little bit of, uh, again, bravery, but also you've got to say what you want, but I suppose there's ways of saying what you want that uh, are gentle and letting the other person know um, constant reassurance, I think is important along the way. Uh, Cause you can say things what you want, but there can be a bit of a fear. I know I've felt this before. I'm sure Jess has probably too, but like you, you might have something in your mind. You don't know how to express it without making the other person feel, or you don't want them to feel like they're not good yeah. enough or they're rejected or whatever, whatever the something negative about your partner, uh, while still while still expressing something that is your fantasy mm-hmm. uh, can be very tricky, um, and I, I think sometimes it helps just to have like a bit of a start of the conversation. Right, I'm nothing that is going to be said is meant to be hurtful or anything like that. It's just this is literally just I'm just putting it out there, and sometimes I use a you know a way of maybe using a a little bit of a ridiculous scenario, like the same sort of thing, but in an extreme sense. And it's just sort of like, right, we know it's not, that's not how reality actually is. But like, you know, if we could, this is what I would do. And then let's just like work back the steps from there, like shaving off the bits that just completely aren't realistic. And then we can get down to something that could actually happen uh, in real life and then, then work out right now, this is the practicalities of the rules and boundaries. Uh, and then following that conversation or that part of the communication is, I would suppose just re-checking in up until the moment of whatever you're doing, you're, you're going to do, do it. And then after that, uh, discuss with yourselves, like, 
what did you like, what didn't you like, uh, um, reassuring the other person that like you had fun with them. Mm-hmm. As in, when the other person, I mean like you or your partner, that that was fun with you. Um, even if part of the scenario is not them not with you com- entirely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very through through the whole process, isn't it, the communication? Uh, absolutely critical. And I think it's really interesting, of course, like you, I did a bit of research um, as background for this and it comes out and it it's hard to tell correlation isn't causation. If it's people who choose this lifestyle are already happier and more inclined to be open and Mm. or is this lifestyle contributing to being happier more open having better relationships and it suggests in some of the research that actually the latter has some weight Mm -hmm. i imagine you get better and better at the communication side of things yeah um, carry those skills into other aspects of relationship as well expand your life yes yeah absolutely uh there's like you know i mean just jess was very kind before in saying that I'm great at communicating. I'm not. <laughs> I'm forever learning. Um, and it takes practice, like a lot of these things. So, yeah, absolutely. So actually getting involved and, you know, you might, you know, maybe the act itself was completely fine and that was fun, but it was the the the, the way you handled it afterwards that really upset me, right? And so you didn't talk to me or this and that. And it's just like that takes practice and like conscious, uh, at least for me, a lot of times, a lot of conscious effort, like um, my default is to not talk as much, uh, but to actually communicate a lot takes a lot of mental brain power uh, from me um, to get my words across. So, yeah, absolutely. The, the more repetitive and uh, these styles of conversation are, the better it is and the, the easier it flows. The easier it flows. I learned a new word um which um, relates to the other side of what makes this work called compersion. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never. Do you know what I was going to say? <laughs> I'm a writer. Uh, other writer in the business um, said, you know, like, I've learned a new word. And he's like, really? I did not know that word. <laughs> I mean, and, and having that flip side of jealousy explained and given a name is really interesting. But mm, stepping yeah. into a space that relinquishes that attachment and and is relaxed is different do you feel you innately have well i suppose we should define compassion oh yeah go listening right which is the opposite of jealousy when you actually experience um a positive response to your partner's engagement with someone else which is awesome but do you feel either of you that you were innately more that way sounds like what you said earlier lawrence suggests that you were um uh, or did you have to learn it I definitely had to learn it, um, but I, I I think I'm a bit different when it comes. Like I enjoy other people having fun, but it was a it was such a new concept for me to benefit from watching my partner have fun as well. Because I thought it it always had to be like we both had to be involved, and that's how I initially learned to be a swinger. And then once I learned that. I can just get joy from having my partner play and I don't have to be participating at all. That's when I think I fully understood the fact and the word compersion because I could sit down and just have a chill down on the, like the couch with some friends and then have my partner be playing with a, a whole bunch of people upstairs. And I'm like, we're both enjoying our nights just on different levels. Mm. I think for me, I've, yeah, I've always felt 
that level. Um, it wasn't something I had to kind of learn or learn to accept. It was always there. And I think but it, it, it does it can come down to um, the intent of the other person. Like it's, it's fun and exciting and I, I like it if they're having fun for fun's sake. You know, if they're doing something to, to purposely upset me, like I know this upsets lines when I do this, well, then, yeah, I'm going to have a problem. Uh, but when, it, yeah, it's this, I'm, I'm so happy for you. You're, you're getting to experience this whole lot of fun because it's fun for you. That makes me happy. Uh, I think um, friends of ours, Brad from Angela, he has a great analogy of explaining compersion is, you know, when you go to a, a kid's birthday party and you see them get their cake and they're eating that cake and they're having the greatest time of their life, you don't go, damn that kid, you know, I want that fucking cake. You're, like, you're happy that that kid is having their cake. Yeah. And that's how it kind of feels. It's just like, yay, you're, like, you're having cake. I know how that feels. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a woman I was listening to um, on uh, a different podcast, and she said she learned through the process um, that she enjoyed being a voyeur of her partner's experiences, and that was really arousing, but she didn't know that about herself until she was in that situation, Yeah, which is cool, mm. um, that openness to learn about yourself. Yeah. There'd definitely be a lot of uh, discoveries that you would make about yourself in, a, in an environment like this because they're just so not everyday experiences this is you, it can't be replicated in a lot of places and this is the only one of the few places that you can there's um when i looked up because i like starting with definition one of the definitions through history which i really liked was um oh of swinging uh, yeah of swinging uh, was from 1957 enjoy oneself unconventionally mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Really> nice. <laughs> It's still that that definition probably still applies today. It's still very much unconventional. It's 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 yeah. where by far a minority. Group. It's still frowned upon in some places. Like what we do is, well, I guess because Lawrence and I are such big advocates for it, and we're like we're not ashamed of it at all. So we're we're very big in like talking about it to everyone possible. But I like I forget sometimes when people give me that weird look, like, "Wait, you have sex with other people with your partner? Like that's strange." And I'm like. Oh, yeah, I forget that it could be such a vanilla thing that this is strange what I'm doing. But for us, it's such an everyday lifestyle that I and I haven't seen it strange for some time. Mm. So I forget. I don't know what that. it's like for you. Well, I do have some idea. I think it's a little bit different. But for me as a male, you know, when I talk to other other men about having it, they can they can understand and they they get off on the idea of, oh, I get to have sex with other women. <laughs> but then when you go, oh, yes, but you're wife or girlfriend or whatever has said, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. So people can get on board with the idea of having uh, fun with pleasure. other people in unconventional ways, as long as it's not affecting, as long as it's only good for them. Yeah. 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 I it's mean, interesting, isn't it? The jealousy thing and, and compersion is it's sort of polar opposite there. Like jealousy is normally so wrapped up in kind of what's going on inside the person experiencing it as well, you know, whether it's insecurities and, or, you know, past experiences, all those kind of things. Like, have you felt that in, I guess, conquering jealousy and, you know, discovering compassion that you've almost um, addressed anything that you might have had going on in terms of insecurities or like, do you, do you feel, do you feel differently about yourself in, in the sort of those, those sorts of senses? I don't know. No? A, a little, maybe. 
maybe. I, I feel like I, oh, no. No, I don't feel different, actually. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, if sometimes I might feel a bit, um, say, if, uh, so when Jess and I were together, if, if, she, if she was doing something with someone else and having a particular kind of moment, where it's just like, there's definitely been times where I've like, I, I don't know how to do that, or that's not in my that's not in my wheelhouse of of moves, of tricks. Um, I haven't. It hasn't gone to jealousy, but it's gone to like, hmm. But then my, I guess this this is just the way I work. Is is my next my immediate next question is how how do I do this? <laughs> I want to know. Okay. <laughs> I think you've actually asked somebody how to do something as well. Yeah. Teach me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas I, I can definitely see some people who might retract uh, that that might they go they would see that and they go oh I can't do that and I'm not good enough and then it, it becomes this um, it can be that's where the negative jealousy spiral can start to happen. I think it's healthy though to have that sort of thought because I mean Lawrence and I have discussed this before like one person can't fulfill everyone's needs and can't fulfill your own needs. So, you know, you get multiple people to fulfill different parts of what you as a person want and need. So I think once you, or at least for myself, once I've understood that concept, then watching or experiencing these things, I don't sit there and put myself into that scenario. I just reflect on it and enjoy it instead. But I think that's from years of practice. Mm. It definitely wasn't as smooth and easy at the beginning. Yeah, I think, I mean, if it's not, you know, we come from a culture full of constraints and, you know, it's a very patriarchal culture. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it seems obvious that people would find it challenging as a lifestyle because, you know, when growing up as a teenager and similar to Lawrence, you know, being extremely comfortable, um, sexual and happy to have different partners without any emotional attachment for me just it's it was like yay this is fun let's do this mm. yeah a culture that said um you can't do that but yeah. it's not okay mm. and um so yeah I, I think that yeah that we haven't come so far from that in fact if you look at what's happening in afghanistan at the moment women are sexually wrapped up constrained and contained across yep. cultures um yep. Road versus Wade in America, you know, there's a, a big pushback against freedom, sexual freedom. Um, and so, yeah, it is unusual, but fight the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> we, we shall, we shall, we shall keep fighting. Yeah, I do, I do, quite, I do ask myself from time to time, this is especially when I talk to um, guys who are so like, no, no. Like, how much of this is just your natural inclination, or how much of this is just your programming um, yeah. that you you're taught to be this way? Yeah, um, I find guys are a lot. Like, like at the end of the day, negative. we're still human beings. We're curious, right? We ask questions. It's probably that's that's why we are the way we are as a species, right? We 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 question things, and you know, generally, I think most people are like, how do I make things better? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how some people just don't get to this point. But then <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm obviously biased, right? So people are um, contained by beliefs, 
And it's how you crack open a space and, and let them experience something differently without feeling threatened. And that's what I love yeah. about what you've done, you know, with our secret spot is you've created a space where the curious can come and explore. And it, it, I'm sure they come in, you know, listening to people on your podcast, um, shaking and, and having a couple of drinks helps. But <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's as safe as it gets. Mm and go actually I can come in here and be here and and try this out mm. and yeah. and that and, and it's perhaps an important point to make that whilst this has been a very kind of couple based conversation there mm. are um single people who enjoy being in the space as well um women who you know the terminology is I'll, I'll I'll get you guys to play around with terminology and explain for our listeners what different things mean, but but it's not simply a couples-based world, right? No. Yeah. No, it's, it, it predominantly is. I think that's just kind of like we, we I mean, I guess we, even in our own little world, we, we, we operate in a rule, uh, world of its own subset of rules. Yeah. And you say like we, we still follow conventional norms within this little community that we have. Um, Jess and I are, we, we've, we've, I think we're successfully trying to to break it a little bit, where because like a lot of times single men aren't aren't allowed into the club. Single women are because they're quote unquote more um, highly prized um, in the lifestyle. Um, but I think as experiences has taught us over the years, um, you know, a, a decent a, a, a man that can communicate really well is respectful and. Uh, knows what he wants and can communicate that uh, safely in an environment like this, I think is rarer than, than, the, than, a, than a single woman. Um, so we're, we're trying to have an environment where, yeah, it's, it's basically anyone, couples, man, woman, trans, straight, bi, gay, what, and whatever it in, in between. It, everyone's welcome um, just as long as you're – we're all on the same page about respect, boundaries, and consent. Yeah, that's really cool because um, I guess one thing I wanted to sort of just touch on was, I guess, accessibility uh, maybe or um, the sort of variety of people that you that you do get through. Um, and, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that, you know, because I, I spotted on the website there's like, women girls only nights right yeah so um if if you wanted to uh sort of label you know the sexuality or preferences of the people that would go to that we're talking lesbians and and curious women and and that that sort of thing yeah so you you get a selection um and i find especially with like our club v the all female event there's a whole bunch of different identities um, when it comes to like, we even get couples like female couples that come and one's an asexual where they're just there, not for the like sexual experience, but they're there to have the communication that swinging brings. Um, Oh, I guess the event brings as well. So it's, it's quite eye opening, at least for myself that there is never one set identity or um, way that people um, present themselves and it's forever changing. Like they're, you know, maybe at the club V 
the girl comes in and she's by curious because she's always wanted to try being with a female. But then yeah. on a general night, she goes back to being straight because that's her comfort level on a particular night like that. So it's it's never really just like I know there's certain nights where I prefer to play with solely just women. Um, so I'd probably identify more as bisexual on that night. But then if I come sometimes with my partner, I'd probably just prefer having the um, one-on-one swap, like a full swap. Yeah. So yeah. That's really interesting because. Yeah, I like that fluidity. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the accessibility as well. I guess that the space is is for everybody. I mean, it might, um, I mean, my, I don't know, historical understanding of swinging, I guess, is probably more around, you know, partner swapping and, and you know, so maybe preferences have to sort of line up or um, that I, sort of thing. But actually yeah. the, the, the fluidity is... Um, I was going to ask if you feel like it's evolving because certainly I find... Um, with this kind of gen- generation coming through, there is much more fluidity, flexibility, less distinct boundaries. Are you seeing a shift in in the clientele coming through that represents some of those changes with the younger community? I mean, we're definitely seeing a, a change, but I don't know if it's um, because of the change that's happening um, out in the world or if it's just we're noticing it a bit more because our club is growing. Yeah, um, yeah we're having a, a cause and effect yeah. quandary. Like, <laughs> what yeah. is actually going on? I don't, I don't know if it's a, a, the impact of the business itself or the nature of the business or if it's just people are now becoming a lot more accepting and understanding of there can be such multiple ways of identifying. Mm. Uh, well. We'll say this though, but we do have some events. So we have a, some private events that they, there's a, is a curated kind of guest list. Um, but and say like 95% of these guest lists are under 35. Um, and you'll have all sorts in here in terms of how they dress, how they talk. There's not that, you know, the, the conventional, I'm a man and I talk like this. Now I'm a girl and I talk like this. It's just, there's everything that's in here and they're all here to, to have fun and party and it's just kind of like um no holds barred just we'll do whatever yeah um some i mean it feels like i don't know if this was going on you know 10 years ago so much was was probably like when i was when i was this age it just like how much access to this kind of uh, type of event there was so in, in that sense it's just like um, yeah, it does feel like a little bit of a change where people, the, the the younger generation are just like, yeah, we're just going to go to a sex party because that's we what we like that's it. we feel like it, yeah. and we're going to experience it. And I'd, I'd be damned what you I give a damn what you think about it. I think yeah. it's also like social media has played a big impact on it as well. Like, I and it's more accepting to talk about sex, and it's more accepting to post a selfie where you're half naked now. Um, and I think because of that um, ability to do that, people are now venturing out and not being ashamed to do it. Like I think before mm. back, maybe like in my parents' times, if they went out to go swinging, it was, you know, a keys in the bowl concept where, you know, you were you went to a house and it was all kind of hush-hush where 
Like now we're out and like on radio and talking to people. To I don't know. The, the swinging sixties has a name. Has that name for a reason? <laughs> yeah, you'd be amazed at what your grandparents were up to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> There's certain things I don't want to know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably imagined like over the over the decades and over the generations, the activity might not have changed all that much. It's just more about the um, the putting it out there with other people that feels like maybe it's changed a little bit. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is what I'm doing. It's kind of like, I don't know, going to get a haircut every, every four to six weeks or whatever. This is what I do. I think there's also, there's more information out there as well about it. Like people are talking more about it and having opinions. Whereas I think before it was just like one way in the highway and that was it. Like there was no um, ability to just have different ideas of swinging like everyone had to just conform to one idea of it so i think it was not as easy for everyone to want to do it whereas now it's like there's multiple ways that you you can identify in this lifestyle um and i think people are understanding that a bit better also it's you know it's one kind of google search away from starting your starting your journey (laughs) Google's our best friend yeah (laughs) so much more easy to get hands on the information like yeah i i joke uh Google does not judge, but Google knows all. So, <laughs> so you yeah. can ask Google whatever you want and it will give you the answer. So I, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like way back when you'd have to look up. How would you, you be you, in the know? I think you'd have to. You just have to know people. I don't know how you'd find out. Like, we, Actually, there was a couple that one of the first couples I ever played with probably about maybe 10 years ago or so. And they first started swinging themselves. So they're a little bit older than me. Um, they used to have to put ads in the personal pages in newspapers yeah. that was like semi-coded. Uh, yeah. And if someone wanted to reply the next week, their reply would be in the classified. So you could take up to like three or four weeks to arrange a meeting with someone. <laughs> I was like, this wow. is crazy. This is like what, like, like the Cold War <laughs> like code sending in, in uh, between, um, you know, agents. Yes. Yeah. KGB and the CIA, like what's going on? It's not a build up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the curious listening, can you talk us through some of the vocabulary that would be new to them in your world, um, which is very specific to your world, like unicorn yep. is one. Yeah. Okay. So, well, unicorn is uh, what we are talking about earlier, is a, a single woman who is up for pl- uh, playing with another couple in, the, in men and women. Yeah. Um, uh, and then is there any other prerequisite for a unicorn? No, I think that's it. Yeah. And the, and the, ter- and the reason okay. why they're called unicorn is because they're thought to be a mythical creature and don't, they don't really exist. This, this, this type of woman is not really out there. Yeah, but <laughs> that is definitely not true. We the have a lot to, of unicorns. The opposite to that is a manticore, which is the male version of that, which is a... A uh, single guy who's up for playing with okay. um, a couple, um, thought to be very common and easily found. And I still think a manticore is still a mythical kind of creature. I feel yeah. like that's rarer than a unicorn because I've never yeah. heard of it. I've never heard of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you'd be right. Because, it definitely is. Yeah, single men are the hardest things to find, like an appropriate single male. There's men out there and a dime a dozen. Um, yeah, the, the type of guys, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming up. Don't worry, I've got, I've got a big cock to satisfy everyone. So, okay, mate, take it easy. <laughs> um, other terms, so there's like the basic terms that we use. So there's like soft swap, um, which essentially means um, 
any sexual activity up into third base. So everything but sex, essentially. So whatever you as the couple want to establish as your boundaries, um, that's what a soft swap is. And then you have full swap where couples um, essentially uh, can get involved in having sex with each other. Um, what else? What's the term? What are the terms are unique to us? Uh, yeah. Do you have a list? We can. Well, so the soft versus full, it's like basically up to- but not penetrative to then penetrative would be for yeah. somebody trying to understand what those boundaries are. So yep. yeah. Yeah. That- so pretty much everything. Yeah. So oral. Um, Kissing. Thank you. I couldn't think of any words. I was like, all I could think of is the word sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I guess stimulation. We- Manual stimulation. <laughs> fingering. We've um, um, had a lovely um, chat with uh, a brother-sister couple, actually, um, who are working on um, a sex toy for people who aren't able-bodied. And um, so sex can be defined in very different ways when mm. penetration isn't necessarily on the table. Correct. So kind of going, okay, so what does it mean in this world? Mm. And yeah. how does it play out here? Pendulum is another one which is probably new for people. That's just the name of a party that we've we've uh, given to bisexual play. You swing both ways, essentially. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, bisexuality amongst women. I mean, even not even just in our community. I think in in, in general, in general population in general, mm-hmm. girls kissing girls is kind of okay and accepted. And look at that Katy Perry song. The boys kissing boys is like whoa like that's that's full on and it, you know it still freaks people out a little bit yeah. um, and saying ha- having for bisexual men to have a, a space to to feel safe and play as well without being you know harshly labeled as an outright homosexual or someone who's confused or whatever um w- was uh, something that's important and i guess and then that word came up through um Brainstorming. Brainstorming, yeah. Yeah. We just try we try to find a word where it kind of meant like you could everyone was accepted to do whatever they wanted. And I think it was um Bradford and Angela help us run this party. I think Bradford came up with the name because he just thought like it swung both ways, so it just made sense. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. It's very um gentle and inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. And so in, in terms of running the space that you do, what a um if if you're if people listening are like, um, that sounds kind of interesting. I'd quite like to go. I, I live in London. What what should they be looking for in order to understand? Is this a good place or is this a place to just, you know, what 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 would you describe if, to look for in a club to decide whether or not it's a good one for you? Uh, I think like any anything or any business that you're looking into, I would look at. I guess the the amount of activity that appears on their website and any social medias, like are, are they engaged? Because mm-hmm. um, I've I've seen clubs that are that have a website, but it looks like it was made twenty years ago. This website, nothing new is on it. That's sort of like mm. right. um, that. And even if it's a, a still a, a business that's running today, it might give you an indication of how these people or how the business views. The world like they don't need mm. to do anything it's just kind of there it is like it or leave it kind of thing mate that, that i mean that's how i would take that information um read reviews mm. 
I mean, even the negative ones, reading the negative reviews. I mean, I, I know some people like reading negative reviews. Say, Ooh, what, what, are, what are people bitching about? <laughs> what are they saying? But it can give you an indication of what um, level of what, what, what people have. What people find wrong with a place might give you an indication of what uh, their values, the business's values might be. Um, reaching out, sending an email or getting in touch with them. Like, so you, when you are on their website and you, you've read through the information, you kind of like what, it, what they're saying um, and you just have questions. Even if sometimes you don't have a particular question, you just want to kind of feel them out and see if that they're actually there mm. and they care. Uh, sending out that message might be a good way to um, to break that ice and help you feel more comfortable. What else? What else is? That's well, I'm I'm always about images as well. Like I'm a big um, person on looking into just like just images of the club itself, just seeing if it's inviting. And um, I mean, we put the 360 little. Um, I guess that like virtual tour, virtual tour. Thank you. Um, on our website. And I've found like when I've gone to search, cause I'm going to Europe soon, I'm searching other places, um, over in Europe and I'm trying to see if they've got like tours or just like little details, um, why their club in particular is special and what, like why you should come to their club. And I find like, especially when it's very personable, um, conversation that's on the website, I'm more likely to go to a venue like that rather than just a it's a business. Come do this. Like I want to go there because I want to feel invited. Mm. Yeah. So the basic, um, but sort of like the the absolute basics that a the um, a swinging club should have, though, I guess is um, accommodating accommodating for like newbies mm-hmm. um, and um, mm. I guess what okay. else. Sorry to cut you off, uh, talk over you. Something I just thought of is um, look for things on their website about their house rules, mm. yeah. how they intend to um, monitor and keep things, in an, keep things orderly, essentially. Uh, do they have rules about uh, mobile phones, taking photos, uh, what you can and can't do, like res- mm. and enforcing um, uh, people respect each other and physical boundaries, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if that stuff is absent, that might be a bit of a red flag. It's sort of like, hang on, do these, do they, do they care about the people that are in there or are they just caring about um, just money through the door kind of thing? Yeah. You answered my next question. I think just <laughs> ask you, do you go out to other clubs to research them. It sounds like you're planning on doing that in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, when Lawrence and I went traveling, we definitely explored a whole bunch of clubs in Italy, in France, and Amsterdam, and America. Yeah, in America. Oh, I I guess as a business owner, but even just as a swinger, I like to find out what other people are doing because it then like you're forever learning new tricks as well, and you're also learning like how other people's experiences are in the lifestyle, and it's it's fun to hear and talk to people that are similar minded. So I've been doing my research to look at um, several clubs in Europe when I go over in July, which will be good. Did you, on, on, when you went around different clubs, do you think, is there a culture that does it particularly well? Europe. Europe does. <sighs> I find Europe does it well, but I, I say that because some of the places that we went to in Europe, they offer food and I'm a big foodie. Mm. So if I can eat and have sex, it's awesome. 
Um, but in it's, yeah, it's a different culture altogether in Europe. Different. Yeah, it's it's way more normalized over there. It yeah. feels anyway. And it, they they treat it as kind of like a, a lunch break thing that they do. Like they have sessions where it's day sessions where you can't have that sort of thing in Australia. It just mm. doesn't work. But over there, they go out and have a, a quick bang during lunch. Like that's a normal thing for them to do. Um, but I find it's more sensual in Europe, um, and then more. Um, liberating in the US. Yeah. I will say this though about the about the some of the European clubs. They went big on showers. Right. <laughs> it was uh, particularly oh. the French clubs. It was literally just there was no lockers or anything like yeah, that. They- it was just take your clothes off where you're literally standing or lying. Do what you do what you do and then put everything back on and go about your business. And I so don't like, think there was a, a a shower in the French club at all. Yeah, and also like that's I don't know, that's weird for me <laughs> so yeah. I, I would like to freshen up yeah either Wonderful. before or after depending on what we're doing or maybe during. if, if you're <laughs> yeah. on break, maybe you've got to go back to work <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah but but actually it's interesting because culturally they have very different attitudes to bathing and and france is mm. a little bit different there um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, very interesting. Not to say they didn't have a single shower. They did have one, but it was like, it was really like, man, if everyone wanted to use this thing, we, there'd be a, quite an extensive line trying to get into the shower. Yeah, where showers can be part of play, right? Correct. Yeah, and we, we've got a shower in our club, which you definitely in- incorporate into play because we've got a huge bench Sex in bench. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely more in this part of the world, showers, um, but that's really cool. Uh, in England, it's all baths. And showers <laughs> quite unusual when I come out here. Showers everywhere, and now, you know, you just bet you you hardly see a bath over here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a novelty. Fair. It's like like they'll sell it in a hotel room. Our room has yeah. a bath. Ooh, <laughs> I know. And um, weirdly, our room has a bath in the same room as the bed, which seems quite cool until you try and get out. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> actually, this isn't that great. Like <laughs> <laughs> <getting> separate. <laughs> Um, and so are there challenges then? Well, of course, there will be challenges running any business. That's a stupid question. What are, what are some of the challenges that you face running the business that you do? Um, I find the biggest challenge for us is just keeping it new and innovating and inviting. Like, I mean, we're already such a niche thing and we're obviously just selling this to like a, a small market as it is. Um, and it's not a like a thing you do every single weekend. So it's we have to continue to keep engaging um, new customers, but also bringing back the old customers and re-enticing them into something that, you know, they've already done it once. Why do they want to come back again? I find that's probably the hardest thing for us. Yeah. Um, but we like we have a great return rate. It's just keeping consistent and new or like present. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Other than that, I don't find any. It can be obviously a very diverse crowd that comes and keeping everyone happy is almost next to impossible on, on some nights. I think in particular, because the, what we're the service and our product is essentially, you know, come and meet people, have fun, but that really depends at the success of our business depends on yes, a bit of our venue and the way we set it up and we keep it clean, blah, blah, blah. But it really depends on the people that are here. So we've got to attract people who are who get it, who are on the same page as all the things mm. we've we've talked about in this conversation earlier, with the other people 
at the same time. And that was one of the biggest challenges for us at the beginning when we first opened was there were some nights, it's just like there was like five couples, 10 people <laughs> in, inside this, this big club. And you just like, oh. And people were coming for that experience to meet lots of people, like-minded people, yeah. um, people they hopefully find um, physically attractive uh, and whatnot. Um, so getting them all into the one space at one time is one of the biggest challenges. It's gotten easier as like, you know, you know, this is snowball effect for us. It's just like we've gained momentum and, and this and that. Um, mm-hmm. But there is still that challenge sometimes. And it, it, it still happens to this day where like, sometimes it, the gr- age group in the club is mostly people in their 20s and 30s. And there might be a few couples in, that, are, that are older than that. And then sometimes it's flipped on its head. And the people who are the outliers of whatever age range is in that, in that club for that particular night don't necessarily have a good time because they're like, well, I'm glad you're busy, but it's just like there wasn't really anyone here that I could connect with or I wanted to connect with in that way um, for those for for whatever reason. And so trying to have, yeah, trying to trying to have it balanced and all that is something that we can't necessarily control all the time. Um, So that's a big challenge. We just got to kind of like hope and hope and pray that yeah, everyone's going to be kind of cool on the night that they Mm. come along. And I think one of the other biggest challenges is like. I mean, we're a small business, you know, it's, it's, it's just Jess and I and, and a few staff members. When things like that don't go well, it's, I, I, I personally find it hard not to take it, to, take it to heart and take it personally. You know, people are like, oh, they're having a, having a go because their night hasn't panned out the way they wanted it to. And it's sort of like, I take that on board and I'm, I might be angry, but really deep down, I'm probably, I'm upset that I couldn't give them what they wanted. Mm. Um, and I've, we've lost them as a customer and it's just sort of annoying and frustrating. Mm. Yeah. So you find that the the best way to sort of handle that is just is through those more curated uh, event type nights. We try and tell people, um, even if they've had a great night, we say it's always different. Right. Like you, you've got to just keep coming um, and experience it because some nights are different to others. Um, you'll meet different people. So if they've had a, if they haven't had a not so great night, I really try and say, look, give it another chance. Um, you'll see that it will be quite different because it almost always is quite different each night. Um, in terms you of the people do that, that you don't do an over over fifties night or like something curated in that. We we've thought about that. Yeah, we we thought about doing aged events. Um, I know some venues do it, and it seems to work quite well. That we've friends in Adelaide that do it, um, and they find it works really well. It's um, I think what we we're afraid of happening. This is because it's untested for us. Is like if we do an under thirty fives night and an over thirty fives night and an over fifties night, and those we might find. Those like people isolated. just only wait for those parties and oh. never come along to anything else. And so, because there are people who, who you know, um, you know, the difference between them in age might be 10 years, but they get along like, like a house on fire, but they would not have otherwise met had it been for a, a segregated party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, whilst we do have the pressures of like, it can be difficult knowing exactly who's going to be there on any particular night. For the most part, it's still a great night um, for most people there. 
I think we're fortunate though enough that we do get quite a large amount of people that do come. So we get up to like a hundred people per event. And so I think because we have so many more people attending. Yeah. The chances of you running into someone that you get get along with is, is can be particularly high. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. One of the things um, I didn't, no, I was going to ask about this, but I was interested just from a business perspective. I noticed a lot of places, you mentioned food in some and, and bars in others, but people, when they come to yours, they bring their own alcohol yep. uh, from the bar. That's an interesting decision. Um, it, it was kind of a decision made by the government, unfortunately. Um, so we're a sex on-premise location, um, which means that we can't hold a liquor license. Right, so right. legally, we can't provide alcohol to anyone. Gotcha. Alcohol and sex, the two shall not meet, <laughs> according to the New South Wales government. Wow. Yeah, it's very strange. But it, it actually works out better, to be honest, because then people bring like a bottle of wine and, you know, it's kind of like a, an adventure or like a, a night out for them. And it's all in like one location. They're not spending heaps and heaps of money on alcohol. So I think people are more likely to want to come out and just pay for the cover fee and then bring their own bottle of booze. Yeah, and... I suppose we as a business, we're not incentivized to just max sell drinks because that's how we're going to make money, right? It's just like we know at the start of a night, right, this is how much we've made because all these door tickets have been sold and we're sold out. That's it. We don't have to worry. All we have to worry about now is giving, sorry, (laughs) is giving our guests a a great night, making sure it runs smoothly for them. Um, There's other aspects of the Liquor Act because I've managed bars before and then things people don't think about. Why don't you get a liquor license? And go, can you imagine if cops could come in here whenever they feel like it? Because oh, yeah. in a licensed venue, they can. Yeah. They can come in however yeah. many they want with dogs, whatever. <laughs> like, if they could just come in here. It, no, that would not be makes good. It, it makes yeah. It, yeah, it makes it uncomfortable, right? So yeah. we just sort of like at, at the moment for the cops to come in here, we either have to invite them in or there needs to be some kind of serious something going on, which I don't know what that would be. So they don't, yeah. or they need a warrant. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not going to happen for the, it's not going to happen for the most part. So, yeah. Um, well, that's yeah, cool. not having the liquor license. I think definitely works in our in our favour in this particular instance. And so, if somebody is thinking, listening, and thinking, oh, okay, I'd quite like to visit and check them out. Um, are there? Um, do you recommend um, that they come to? Because um, we listened to Brooke, was it? Um, who went diving in the deep end? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> at um, a, a night that wasn't a newbie night, but do you recommend people generally start there? Um, I, I mean, I a, any newbies or any newcomers, I always recommend newbie nights. They are designed for us to welcome those who are kind of nervous and new. Um, and also Lawrence and myself, we do a like a bit of a talk at the beginning just to run through some basics of swinging and what to expect at the club and just those questions that everyone asks. Um, but I do also find like all our other events are equally as um, suited to newbies because we have our staff here and we're well, normally quite fully staffed to allow for, you know, the staff to walk around to have a conversation with those um, nervous newcomers and also get that one-on-one tour as well. Awesome. And and the dress code is to basically dress to go out and... Yeah, like dress to impress is what we normally say as our little catchphrase. but um. The best way to describe it is something that you'd wear to a dinner or like a cocktail bar with the girls or something. Like it's just you want to dress your best because you. at the end of the day, it, a lot of this has to do with um, 
like your appeal to another person. So if you're dressing down and you're a bit sloppy, people aren't going to look at you in that sexualized way because all they want to do is change your clothes. (laughs) 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 That would be me. I'd be like, oh, please change. Get those tracksuit pants off. Yeah. Yeah. um, Keep them off. (laughs) And it's also, it's, it's a part of the night as well. Like you dress up and it kind of helps you get into that mindset as well because, you know, there's so much going on in your head, especially when you're new, that it's so nerve wracking um, that if you do something routine or mundane, like just dressing up, it kind of puts you at ease at how normal this situation is going to be. Um, and it also makes you excited because you're dressing up to do something naughty. Yeah. Yeah. And preparation and anticipation is a big part of it, right? Mm. Yeah. Part of the process. And that's kind of, and we used to give that advice is just like make a night of it, like check into a hotel, yeah, for example, you like, you're getting ready together, you know, doing all the primping and preening beforehand. It's like, you're like, ooh, we're, we're getting, like, it's, it's yeah. Uh, you know, get ladies getting your hair and makeup done or something. And yeah, yeah, no, guys, get your hair cut and shave parts of yourself <laughs> that you might not ordinarily shave, uh, going out for a drink beforehand, all that kind of, yeah, that, that, uh, that, that like you said, uh, anticipation, build up activity can help make the night much more enjoyable. Whereas you just sort of, all right, I guess we're going to I hope we meet someone I like over there. <laughs> and then it's just like, it's just not fun if it's just routine. Yeah. For you. Matt, so good advice. So anybody who's thinking about it, um, get into it fully. Mm. Um, enjoy the entire experience from getting ready to coming and seeing what you do and, and getting into the play. Yeah. I would uh, ask just one thing about, um, you know, I've never, I've never dabbled. But um, when, when you talk about, um, you know, I guess people are in there mingling um, and trying to, to make we, a connection with someone, like um, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's what, are the, what are the sort of things people are normally looking for? Like you said, uh, you know, well-presented, looking nice, um, all that kind of stuff. But I guess the, the focus is on, you know, do I want to have sex with this person ultimately mm-hmm. um, tonight or, or in the future? Yep. It's different, isn't it, to the kind of connection that you might make with someone if you're on a, on a date, for instance, where, you know, maybe you're looking a few steps ahead yep. or, you know, just getting them into bed or I don't know. So what's the vibe when everyone's kind of mingling and, and, chatting and stuff like that it feels like a house party is the best way i'd describe it like it feels like everyone's kind of there you go to house parties i guess when you're i mean you can still do house parties as an adult but it's sort of you know as a teenager you go to a house party you maybe know only 30 percent of the people there but you're willing to have a chat and talk with pretty much everyone there because you're all there for the same thing so it's quite a similar vibe where people are just once they've kind of got over that nervous energy that more like relax to just have a conversation and Mm. I think conversations will help lead into other things and I think that's the probably best way to describe it Mm. maybe I'm just not thinking of this (laughs) seems stuck yeah I had something then it's gone sorry No, so I think, yeah, but I like the analogy when you're, when you're young and going to parties, you're there to hook up. Mm. Yeah. You know? 
that's it. Like it's the same vibe. Yeah. And yeah. That. Yeah. I suppose uh, there might be a bit more uh, touching, like in terms of like just into this, this, like, you know, making that contact with someone and just sort of, uh, and the conversation you would probably lead, I, I suppose, a little bit more forwardly to uh, interest in sex, uh, mm-hmm. either what are you here for tonight? Like, what are you interested in doing? Are you interested in me? Do you want to go upstairs? Uh, X, Y, Z. It's a more adult way. It's just the adult way of house partying. Yeah. <laughs> just having that, yeah. Just an adult way. Mm. <laughs> more confidence and better communication. Yeah. Oh, yes. Are you talking about the weather or anything mundane? Don't. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Talking about work or kids, which can like, oh, it's like such a drag for some people. Just avoid these conversations when you're in the club. See, yeah. the English find it almost impossible not to talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> my God. It's I mean, a- look, if you can work it in like, and turn it into something that's a bit like, you know, oh, my God, it's been raining. So I know I'm just so wet all the time. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. going to talk nipples, but I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, are, are there any, for those that are curious and not quite ready to he- head in your direction, um, are there any um, books you think people might enjoy reading or places they could explore or things they might kind of engage with that could help them kind of work towards that step? Books to read. Hmm. I've I've read a number of times. It may not. It's not exactly the sexiest book, but it gives you maybe a bit of an understanding. It's called Sex at Dawn um, by Christopher Ryan and Cathilda Gentle. I can't, I can't, I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. Um, it's about the uh, evolution, the evolution of human sexuality. Um, basically, the argument. Anyway, you can read the book and you can figure out their argument. That gives you like a bit of an understanding of like. It might answer some questions, like if you're feeling this way and going, why am I like this? It might give you an understanding of like, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of like, this is just the way I am as, a, as, a, as an animal, as a creature of, of, with, 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 a, with a brain. Um, what else is There's there? There's the ethical slot as well. It's a good, I don't know who wrote that book. But, um, yeah, I can't remember their names. The two women wrote that, I believe. Yeah, um, that's a good one because it sort of um, goes through um, identifying acceptable things without making you feel ashamed for what you want to do. Yeah. I'm starting to think of like movies and TV shows. I don't really know any movies. They're not really that great because a lot of them, it either ends in disaster or ends kind of in the way that you would expect a, a Hollywood movie to end. It's just like, well, that was fun, but we always end up together and we're going to live happily ever after on this way. Um, I find podcasts as well. I've noticed definitely a lot of, podcasts. Yeah, because yeah, it's such a, a big thing now. Um, a lot of people just listen to um, pretty much anything sex related as well because it's just it's so interesting and people love to hear different stories. So yeah, so like if podcasting. anyone listening to this podcast is probably interested in podcasts, so there's there's so much information out there um, of of people like uh, podcasts that they range from they're talking about their own personal experiences in swinging to mm. the more of the scientific aspect of like sexuality. Um, and then there's other podcasts just about human sexuality in general, which, which would be great. Um, so I think they would probably want to be the strongest and most uh, resort, uh, the most resourceful. Um, uh, sorry. One of the resources with the most amount of information. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah the one that, that when you both talked to Brooke, I thought was actually a really nice introduction um, to the experience. I think that was the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. On, on last yeah. episode. Yeah. 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 So yeah. definitely call it, listen to the podcast. Um, yeah. At the secret spot, which is a fantastic way to kind of get an insight into people and the place. Yeah. Just talking about early influences, um, I read The Happy Hooker when I was growing up. It's ah. a book now, but that was just for me, like, yeah, that's how life should be. <laughs> uh, it was um, a great book, so I can add that to the recommendations, although it's very old now. But um, Xaviera Holanda, a sex worker who um, wrote a book. Nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. I like the title. Yeah, it was Dutch. They were always a bit ahead of the English. Let's be honest. When it comes to sexual <laughs> slamming the English, though. <laughs> no, we have our moments. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Are there any other questions you had to ask, Tim? No, no. I um, I think it's it's been it's been really interesting and really eye opening. It's it's uh, crushed some assumptions maybe um i find it interesting that it is I, and i can see now why um i guess you call it a lifestyle um mm. in a way because it's it is kind of it's different different things to different people obviously you know there's a broad range kind of going on here but before i was curious about it um just being purely as this sort of like fantasy uh sort of thing versus you know more of a sort of lifestyle in sort of a more holistic thing where you know it's some it's a way that you can almost identify or something like that because um you know there's obviously similarities and stuff like that between polyamory and swinging and stuff like that but it felt to me like oh you know you've got one which is a broader lifestyle mm. and one which is you know seem to be purely sort of sex-based, but actually, you know, hearing what you sort of said about it and the, um, you know, some of those similarities about, um, you know, yeah, one person is not necessarily enough, mm. um, you know, to satisfy you in, in numerous ways or whatever. So, yeah, those, those sorts of questions have been really um, answered for me. So, yeah, that's really, awesome. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I find... Um yeah, that's something we didn't touch on as well. So the the differences between people ask us the difference between polyamory and swinging. And it's just I think modern, more modern day swinging does sort of get closer to the line of that polyamory type of thing. Because yeah, like you said, you can be this can be a lifestyle for some people. Some people do treat it completely as a this is a completely demarcated aspect of our life. Uh, yeah. I know of some couples that come to us maybe once a year, and they live in a completely different city, different state. They fly here. This is their weekend. This is what they do. They go back, and then it's like they maybe they they might talk about it, like shh, hush hush between themselves, but it's not lived. It's not a, a thing on their minds um, for except for that one part of the year. But then there's you know other people who you know yeah. come into the club. It's their social time. It's their they, they they might play. They might not play. But it's just something they do. They have some of their closest friends. Um, like I think most of our f- uh, friend circle between Jess and I. They're all people from the club and it's just like, it's not necessarily, we've had sex with all of them. We might not have sex with them all the time when we see them, but it's just something that is um, just part of our life. Yeah. Well, didn't you um, come across a stat that was quite interesting and it was around people that would choose 
uh, this. selecting because of the um, meeting like-minded others, the lifestyle side of it. Yeah, if you're, actually, yeah. If you're actually there to yeah. meet, meet like-minded people, not necessarily yeah. Yeah. have sex with them. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe. But yeah. yeah, because it's just I, I, I think some people don't. You might just fall into this as an adult because I, I do remember having this conscious thought. It's just like when do you sort of like become an adult? Like, and I'm talking not like maybe like early like late teens, early twenties, but like you, you know, you settle like, you have a partner, or you might get married, um, you've got a steady job, and then you have a kid, and it's just you fall into this very you people routine. feel like this humdrum routine. It's just like, what do you actually do socially to to go like yeah, everything is like revolves around either work or going to like, you know, if you have kids, like you've got to take them to kids stuff. So your friend group becomes that. And I'm not saying that that's bad or anything, but it's just like, what is there anything that you guys do just for you as a couple? And I'm, I'm being biased towards couples in this sense, but it's a, something that's just, we go out and have fun and this is what we do. Like you get to a point, so it's like going to a nightclub doesn't feel right. So it's like, oh, I'm not 18 year old trying to have uh, vodka. <laughs> trying to grind on everyone. Yeah. It's like, oh. But then I don't want a bunch of people over my house. Then I have to clean up. I hate that. So what are we going to do? <laughs> wow. Go, go, going to the pub is, I, yeah. I, I, from what I hear, it's a little bit different in England. Like it's a bit more of a social thing. But here in Australia, you go to the pub, you stay with your group or the person you're with, and you don't talk to anyone else except mm-hmm. maybe the bartender that asks for the drink that you want. Yeah. So there's no real social aspect apart from that there's just people next to you. Uh, so... Well, you make yes. a really good point, actually. The other thing that happens with people when they get to that stage of being on the hamster wheel, yep. it, um, they stop having as much sex because yep. yeah, you want to run around, corral the kiddies, get to work. There's not much energy or space that's carved out to say, right, this is about us and being sexual and mm. and, and play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Some people do definitely come to the club for that, um, where we – and they write to us as like, we're not interested in doing anything with anyone else. We just we just want to be watching, be in that environment. And they definitely mm-hmm. come here just to talk. They and it like because it, it is set up like a, a conventional nightclub slash bar, dance floor, pool table, and the bar set up as well. You have that feeling of just like, right, we're in a a place where this is meant to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a bit more of a sexual element, and that's that's okay too. But yeah. we don't have to we don't have to participate. Yeah. And that's their way of Going out on a Saturday night, yeah. Instead of, Instead of, we'll just go to the local pub and have a chicken city, and then kind of go home and watch something on Netflix, maybe. Chicken yeah. city is good though. Chicken cities are good. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Oh, <laughs> chicken schnitzel. Chicken Sorry. Vegetarian. Oh, <laughs> very Aussie thing. It sounds it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. They're very yummy. Yeah, hearing um, Jess that you came into this like you know when you were when you were twenty. Um, for me, if someone had, had introduced me to this sort of thing when I was twenty or whatever, like it feels um, like now I'm now I'm forty. It feels harder to like corralling kids, corral <laughs> you know, or, or turn the Titanic uh, of my life around, you know, yeah. direction which. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you were twenty or so, it'd be like, oh yeah, sure, you yeah, know, yeah. give that. A yeah, well, it, it definitely was much easier being younger to yeah. be more influenced and just be more accepting and just basically jump in without looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that's also helped me just accept everything now. So it's like I'm more likely to be like, oh yeah, screw it, let's give it a go. Like, just easier. Um, but it definitely was much easier being twenty to do it to start because. 
I also wasn't as afraid to say no if I didn't like it. This could also link back to like uh, we started at the top of this conversation about, you know, uh, cause and effect type of thing. It's just like maybe the older you get, you feel like you just can't do this, <laughs> even though you probably can. And then for sometimes it's like to, to build on your Titanic metaphor, people need to hit the iceberg for them to actually go, fuck, I better change something in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, either it's a death or a, a, a significant relationship breakdown mm. before they go, oh, I'm going to actually go out and have some fun. So we try and, you know, tell people, it's like, just, you're going to get one shot at this. So you might as well have some fun. And if this is something that you want to do and you don't feel particularly ashamed of it and, um, and whatever, you don't have to broadcast it to the world. That's where we're discreet, but have fun. Yeah. Be an adult. You can, you can have fun as an adult. I think, I think adults kind of, oh no, we don't have fun anymore. It's just like, yeah. yeah. Get back in the sandbox and start start playing. Play is what keeps us young. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and on awesome. that lovely note. On that mantra there for life. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should write books or something. No. <laughs> we have a book coming out in a couple of months, which is called The Organ Education Forgot, and it's a little book about the clitoris. Oh, so nice. We'll, um, we can send you a copy of it when we're ready. Yes, it's very please, yeah. Well, I think you say it's a little book about the clitoris because the clitoris is so little. <laughs> it's so big and meaningful. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Wait till you see the book. It's a big thing. It's actually a big bulbous organ under the skin, but you only see the surface. And most ah. people don't know that because we did, it, we, we, it was left out of biology. We weren't taught yeah. it in school. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, a- ancient cultures have known about it and then it, it got it forgotten. literally got the. <laughs> From a, by a, do, a guy called Dr. Charles Gray out of Gray's Anatomy in the 50s. He literally decided it came out. I would like a time machine. I want to know <laughs> what Charles was beat on. Beat him. <laughs> yeah. What his problem was. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's so that's the first in our Liberated Library series that's coming out. And we've also um, created a game which is like Triv for Sex. Oh, cool. So, you know, gender, culture, identities, bodies, acts. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're we're busy. We've just got the final kind of prototype we're happy with on the game. So that'll be coming out towards the end of the year. So we can okay. send you. you might yeah. Have Please do. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. We can. Yeah, yeah I'm fascinated by that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're you're a big game. Uh, definitely. Obviously, it shapes the way um, you know society thinks about these things. Yeah. Not having a big part of the woman's uh, body. Included in sex education is, is bizarre. Like <laughs> I remember my sex education is just like it was like putting a, a condom on a banana and but nothing leading up. Like, why did the banana get hard? <laughs> like, there's nothing. It's just sort of this very practical it's just like, what is this? It's just because they were ashamed to talk about yeah. sex. I yes. mean, that, that's it's, an, it's so that's much a, better now. That's another that's an hour conversation in itself. More than an hour. There's so much, there's so much there. Well, we can always circle back around when the book's out and, yeah. and um, catch up again. But yeah, we'll yeah. definitely yeah. Uh, send you a copy of the book when it's out. Okay. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it'll be fun and everybody learns something. Yeah. yeah. Learn something. Cool. Learning more about the clitoris. That's great. <laughs> we like that. Yeah. Everybody should know more. <laughs> awesome, hey, guys. thanks so much, team. It's really lovely to meet you. Thank, Thank you very much. Really hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want to find out more about what Lawrence and Jess are up to, you can go to OurSecretSpot.com.au. Also on the socials, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
They're just at our secret spot. Remember, guys, to check out our new book at uh, sexandspace.com forward slash book. You can also get it on Amazon. If you look for um, The Organ Education Forgot, it'd be really cool if you would check that out for us. Um, also, our socials are Instagram, Facebook, and now on TikTok. Uh, sexandspace.com. That's all one word. Sexandspace. D-O-T-C-O-M. Thanks, guys. See you on the next one. If you found some of this material a little challenging, keep coming back and we'll make it really challenging.